Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany in Rome, Katie in Seattle. And today, Tiffany, you're bringing us the topic. So what (laughs) are we talking about? Well, it's something that I've always sort of loved. But, you know, as a person who is equally a lover of um, word origins and a lover of Rome place names. It kind of checks a lot of boxes for me, but I don't know that other people find it interesting. So um, (laughs) I've never really done anything with this knowledge that I have. And I mean, it's not like it's that amazing. It's just, I feel like there are some words in the English language that they don't just come from ancient Rome because there are lots of words in the English language that come from ancient Rome, but they specifically come from a place name okay. in Rome. Yeah. Like a very, something very, or so, or just something so specific that you would not, like, for example, the word triumph. I mean, it doesn't take an ancient Roman scholar to kind of put two and two together and realize that the word triumph comes from ancient Rome. It was the name of the celebrations, the parade celebrations they would have when they came in, like a general came into the city with his army that had won some great battle or something. So, I mean, there are lots of words like that that come from ancient Rome and, and most people know or have some kind of idea, but these are sort of really, really specific and very convoluted as well. It's not obvious. And you wouldn't know unless you sort of dug deep. And I, and I do think that these are words that not, not a lot of people know the origins of these words. So okay, I'm here to fill you in. I'm very excited for this. All right. <laughs> well, are we going to start with the one that you would find that I would find the least surprising? Is there a rank scale? Yeah, on sure. This? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to do the my sort of best one last. Okay. Which is just, I mean, it's so convoluted that mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to believe but it's really is. Um, okay. Well, I mean, like I mentioned triumph and another one that, I mean, I like it, it, it is a place name, but it's, it's a bit more general than the other ones, which is circus. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we all think of the circus. We know what the circus is. We've, you know, been as children, but the circus, a circus is in a general term. It's, you know, it's a very long oval racetrack that was used for chariot races particularly and the most famous one in all the world was the circus maximus which if you've been to rome you've seen it's absolutely enormous it was the biggest racetrack of that time it was also the first important racetrack of rome it was built centuries before the Colosseum and held 250,000 people uh, which is also five times what the Colosseum could hold so huge but i mean like i said this one doesn't really qualify if because it's circus is more of a general term there are were lots of circuses yeah in ancient rome yeah so, so is it like a circus in, in the sense that it's like a, a spectacle so to speak no it comes from the shape that i mean obviously it's clearly not a perfect circle obviously but it's something somewhere in there is a shape name Right. So really, when we say Circus Maximus, we're basically just saying big circle. Yes. The biggest, biggest, the very biggest. <laughs> because Maximus is like the biggest, <laughs> the biggest the ma- circle. I love that. Um, but but like I said, that one probably most people already knew. But capital is one as well. And capital is kind of weird because it's one of those 
what came first, the chicken or the egg type things? Like, do we call Rome's Capitoline Hill? Do we call it that way because that was the center of the city? And mm-hmm. Or does the word capital actually, was that already the name? And then they just started using that word to mean capital. So I don't really know, um, but it does come, the root of that word does come from head. So probably that that gives you a clue that maybe maybe it was, they called it the Capitoline Hill because of the word head, because on the Capitoline Hill in Rome, and of course, you know, famous seven legendary seven hills of Rome, the Capitoline Hill is one of those seven hills. And it's um, probably the most famous, I would say, it was where, among other things, there was the temple of Jupiter Optimus Maximus, mm-hmm. the most important temple of the city by far. It was like the center of sacred ancient Rome. And it was enormous, absolutely huge. You can see very, very few remains of it. It's almost, I mean, there's almost nothing left, but you can see a few foundation stones if you go into the Capitoline Museums um, because they're in the lower level, they have excavated them out. Um, And it does give you a sense of how big it was because there's a little plastic model and you can sort of look at yourself next to it. And, you know, there's like little people down there and you can see how huge it was. So that was the sort of center of religious Rome dating back to about 500 BC. The very first version of that temple was built. There was also an important civic center, a government building on that hill in the 1300s and it became also the site of what we call the would call the capital it was you know like the capital building i mean they don't really have the same terminology but that's really what the capitoline hill was and so the name of the hill like i said is capitoline or capitolino or campidolio is another way of, of calling it and so i'm sure that that's why we call a capital building in the state by the same name. Mm. But again, I don't I don't know. Like does it come from the name of the hill or the name of what the hill represented? I'm not sure. Oh, but it would have meant more the the center rather than specifically meaning government, even though there was government right. there. There was government there eventually, but I mean in ancient Rome there wasn't really a separation between religion and government. You know, it was all kind of like kind of like the anti-Catholic Church in its heyday, the Pope was the leader of the state of the state and of the church, and so yes, it did become a, the the civic head of the city in the 1300s. But it was already the most important and the most sacred mm-hmm. spot in the city. And you know, it's also and this leads into my next one. It was also the site of the very very oldest dwellings in Rome. Now, if you go by the legend. Most people who are into Rome, at least, know the the legendary founding of the city of Rome. So there was, you know, Romulus and Remus, the twin brothers who famously, well, they were suckled by a she-wolf because they had been not abandoned, but they had had to be sort of whisked away because their lives were in danger. It's very complex. I'm not going to go into the whole story. (laughs) um, Very legendary. It's very legendary. But, you know, the story that most people know is that they each wanted to found a city there and Romulus chose the Palatine Hill and Remus chose the Aventine Hill and they were watching the flights of the birds and trying to get a sign and eventually Remus barges into his brother's land and Remus kills him says 
this will happen to anyone who violates the sacred foundation, the sacred boundary of my city. So that's the that's the sort of famous story of Romulus and Remulus. And Romulus, of course, goes on to become the first king of Rome, if he existed. But if you go by actual archaeological finds, the first people who lived in Rome were not living on the Palatine Hill, but they were living on the Capitoline Hill. Mm. They predate even the time that Romulus supposedly lived. So there were already people living on the Capitoline Hill. So it has the very, very earliest settlements of the city of Rome, the oldest settlements that have ever been found. So for people who have never been to Rome, is there a way for you to explain like how those two hills are juxtaposed to each other? Yeah, well, they're right next to each other. And I mean, you have to, when you when you imagine Rome's hills, a lot of times people get to Rome and they're like, I don't see any hills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not a mountaintop, that's for sure. They're, first of all, they're gentle hills. But secondly, because of sedimentary accumulation in Rome, they're not as high as they appeared years yeah. ago. Years ago, the, the ground level was so much lower that those hills seemed much, much higher. So that's one thing. And I mean, it's hard to describe, but basically they're just right next to each other. If you're on the Capitoline Hill, like if you're in the museum or there's a little garden up there right behind the main square. And if you look out from that garden, you look down into the Roman Forum, which is sort of in the valley between the Capitoline Hill and the Palatine Hill. Mm -hmm. um, and the Palatine Hill, as I was saying, this is going to go into my next one. The Palatine Hill was where all of the great ancient emperors had their palaces all the ones who lived long enough to build palaces right and they were you know starting with augustus whose whose quote-unquote palace was actually very modest compared to what came later but because of the legend of romulus having lived and having founded the city on the palatine hill because of that augustus decides that he wants to live on the palatine hill as well because, you know, you think, oh, it's all sort of the same time period. But no, actually, Romulus, if he lived, is seven centuries before Augustus. Right. So, you know, he's ancient. That's ancient history to the to the Romans, uh, or at least the Romans of Augustus's day. And so he builds his his home and his his wife. They have separate houses, <laughs> really <laughs> close, but they do have their own their own homes up there and then this tradition just takes off and so Tiberius has huge his huge palace and and on and on and on until they're just at these gargantuan enormous palaces Nero's was the biggest of course if you're standing in the Circus Maximus and you look up at the Palatine Hill you can see the ruins of those palaces the big ones you can't really see the ruins of Augustus's house because it wasn't big enough to really see from that far away but you definitely can see some of those other enormous palaces. And they're they're very hard to distinguish because they kind of kind of looks just like a big mass of ruins. Yeah, it's um, just a bunch of rolling brick at this point, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, I've uh, never asked you actually. Obviously, we as people visiting Rome are not allowed to go into the ruins of those palaces, but are people actually in there studying it and trying to figure out what's left oh, in there oh you can go there you can go in in fact they just reopened i mean you can wander around the palatine hill it's part of your ticket if you buy a ticket to the coliseum the palatine hill is included yeah which i've um, never done i can't believe that um <laughs> you can go if you go on certain days uh or actually you know you have to get a specific ticket which costs a little bit more and you can go into Augustus's house, which is very well preserved. I have been there. There are some beautiful wall paintings 
in some of his rooms. You can go in Livia's house. You know, they're not always open because there's there's constant need of renovation. So these places are closing down for three months and then reopening. But I just got an email that I want to say that they have reopened the Domus Tiberiana, which would be the house of Tiberius, who was the successor of Augustus. So apparently that was structurally unsound. It was closed for, I don't know, 50 years or something like that. And they've just reopened it. So you can explore the ruins, but I mean, not every single spot is open to the public because of reasons like this. Right. Um, Ancient ruins, not always the most stable place to be. No, no, (laughs) definitely Definitely got to got to make sure make sure it's safe. And just again, if you're interested in the geography of it, you know, since we're talking about all these hills, just as if you stand on the Capitoline Hill, you can look over the the Roman Forum and see the Palatine Hill. If you stand on the Aventine Hill, you look out across the Circus Maximus and you can see the Palatine Hill from the other side. Right. If that makes sense. So they're all very very close. Those three hills. Yes. In my head, I was just trying to be like, okay, which one? Which one? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to picture if you've never been to Rome, but you'd think of the hills as being like far and vast, and really they're all clustered together. Those three particularly. Anyway. Yeah. So that and and so I, as I said, uh, it was going to lead me into my second word. My second word is palace. Right. The word palace comes from the word palatine if you take the word palace and you you make it into like you you make it into an adjective like you make it palatial i just love this about words i love how a word like palace it can have a c in it but yet when you say palatial it becomes a t Mm. why is that you know what i mean it's because the word is like the the root word is palatine Hmm. so when you know english is weird right Uh, english is just a weird language so they do stuff like this it's the same for the word venetian in english Hmm. there's a t in it it's not it's not a c like you would think of the word venice it's venetian with a t and it's the same for palatial and it's because it, it comes from the word palatine hill because it was on the palatine hill that all of the palaces were built so that is where the name palace comes from Um, So does that suppose that the first palaces are on the Palatine Hill or maybe that we didn't have a name for what that was before all these Roman emperors start building colossal estates? Probably, probably. I don't know enough about other ancient civilizations to know if they had quote unquote palaces before the Romans did. The, The Egyptians probably did, though. But yeah, they must have had a different name for it. And even the Romans, they called their homes domus which mm-hmm. just means home but the a domus by definition was a very large and very generally it was a very large and luxurious home and you know it could just be that nobody had ever had the audacity or the money to build anything bigger than a nice comfortable upper class domus until the emperors came along mm-hmm. and those first palaces were built on the palatine hill so and in this case we know with the capitoline hill it's it's kind of unclear but clearly with the palatine hill the word palatine came before the word palace wow that's pretty cool the thing was named after the place yeah well if you think that's cool katie this is really cool (laughs) is this your favorite no i'm not quite to my favorite yet okay all right so we're still all of this stuff is like on the hills i swear it's all concentrated in this little tiny part of Rome. So back on the Capitoline Hill, you'll okay. remember Capitoline Hill, site of the first settlements of ancient, ancient, archaic Rome before it was Rome, mm-hmm. way before it was Rome. 
fast forward to uh to to Romulus's time and that's kind of odd to say fast forward <laughs> to the time of of Romulus of legend um, yes in the 7th century BC okay so again if you know about the founding of Rome you might know these stories but so Romulus you know fights off his brother kills off his brother for daring to violate the sacred boundary of the city he had built on the Capitoline Hill so he's the, he you know names himself the king of Rome and he starts inviting people because it's not really a city there yet. Maybe there's a few stragglers from this earlier settlement, but it's it's not a city by any means. It's definitely not a kingdom. It's just a few settlers on the on the side of the Capitoline Hill. So he decides that he is going to turn this into a true city. And the way he's going to do that is by recruiting people. And who would want to come and live in his new city? People who aren't welcome in the place that they're from. Mm. So crim- criminals, exiles, outcasts, anybody who is on the run or been kicked out of their home, you know, that <laughs> those are the people that he he brings. And he creates sort of a new settlement for them on the Capitoline Hill. Now, the Capitoline Hill actually has two spurs, two little peaks. So one was the Capitolium. That's kind of the more important of the two spurs of the hill. And that's where the temple of Jupiter is eventually built. And the other spur is called the Arx, A-R-X. In the middle of these two spurs, which today is completely flat because they flattened it to build the piazza, but there was a little small valley in between the two spurs of this one hill. And that little tiny valley was called the Asylum. That was the name of it. That was the name of the valley, Asylum. Okay. And this was where he creates the settlement for all of these exiles, misfits, outcasts, criminals that he is recruiting to come and be in his city. And so that, Katie, is where the word asylum comes from. Wow. That is very interesting. Yeah. And I'm always like, take it one step farther. I'm like, but why did they name it Asylum in the first place? Well, that was just a, I mean, I just think that's just a place name. Like, why did they name the Palatine Hill the Palatine Hill? It's just the name. I don't know. That was just the name of it. As far as we know, it didn't mean anything before that. It was Mm -hmm. after that, that the name of the place gave its name to the name of the thing. Just Mm. like the Palatine Hill, the name of the place gives its name to the name of the thing that is there. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that is very interesting, very direct. Yeah, Hmm. that one's direct. The next one, which is my favorite one, is not direct. It's totally convoluted and (laughs) weird. And it's it's even hard to believe that this could possibly be, but it is. So we're still on the Capitoline Hill. Everything's from the the, Capitoline Hill. Everything. (laughs) Well, those those three, those two hills at least. Yeah. So you got the one spur that's the Capitolium. You've got the little valley called the Asylum. And then you've got the smaller spur, which is the arcs. Now, on the arcs, there was a temple to the goddess Juno. Juno, who, if you are more into Greek mythology, is the Roman name for the goddess Hera. Mm-hmm. So the most important female goddess. So there's this uh, this small temple to Juno. Now, the animal that is sacred to Juno is the goose. Okay? Um, Love that. So in the 4th century BC, I believe it was the 4th century, the 400s, I I can't quite remember the exact date, but there was the, Rome was sacked by the Gauls. It was like one of the worst sacks in Roman history. 
And the Capitoline Hill is already, by this point, a very sacred hill to the Romans. The first version of the Temple of Jupiter, Optimus Maximus, has already been built there. So it's a very important place. And there's a number of temples on that hill, including, like I said, the, the Temple of Juno. Well, in the middle of the night, when the Gauls are approaching the city, of course, what they want to take is they want to take the Capitoline Hill, the citadel. But there was a flock of geese that were basically kept at the Temple of Juno because because that was a sacred animal to her. They they kept a flock of geese there. And the flock of geese started honking madly mm. uh, when they realized that the, the Capitoline Hill was about to be, you know, was all these strange people, all these soldiers were coming up there. They start honking and flapping around and they warned the people of Rome that the Gauls were coming. So even though Rome was sacked, the Capitoline Hill was saved. And so they renamed the Temple of Juno. They started to call it the Juno Ammonitrice, which means Juno the warner. Because thanks to the, the wisdom of this goddess, she is the one, of course, they believed that it was Juno who who sent her sacred geese to warn the people of Rome. So it's the temple of Juno, the warner, Ammonitrice. Now, this is where it starts to get even more convoluted. Are you still with me? I'm with you, although I am picturing a bunch of gulls running from aggressive geese, I must yes. say. Do that. I can't, that it. It. I can't help it. I can't help it. It's more fun. Yeah, they're like biting their bottoms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Everybody's had an encounter with a goose at some point in their life. You know. <laughs> I love them, but they can be aggressive. Yeah. So the Temple of Juno Ammonitrice. In the basement of the Temple of Juno Ammonitrice, later on, the Roman mint becomes located. Okay. Right? The place where they are making the money, making the coins. So for some reason, the word Ammonitrice, the warner, the female warner, becomes associated with the word for coin because okay. the coins are being made in the basement of this temple. So the Italian word for coin is moneta. Ammonitrice, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and in English, we get the word money. Wow. That is... <laughs> so the word money comes from the sacred geese of Juno warning the people of Rome about the sack of the Gauls. I love that. <laughs> I do too. It's, it's the kind of thing that I never get to tell on a tour because like... You try to tell a story like that and you get halfway through and you just got these people looking at you like thinking, where is she going with this? <laughs> yeah, let's move so it So you along. don't even bother? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved word origins. Always. When I was in 10th grade, we had a book um, at school uh, that was assigned for, uh, I don't know, I guess 10th grade English class. And it was called Vocabulary Energizers. Like I'll, I even remember the name of the word and I uh, the name of the book and I so wish I still had it because it had the stories of the origins of so many interesting words mm. and it just got I think that was the first time I ever really got excited about etymology like I was like this is so cool did you know it's called you know tantalizing because this guy Tantalus was in this 
cave in you know up to his neck in water and he couldn't drink the water because every time he bent down to drink it the water would go down and that's why we say tantalus or tan <laughs> tantalize tantalizing. Uh, tantalizing yeah yeah um, i've always loved it what a boring loved... title on that book though i know right what was it vocabulary <laughs> energizers i know i know they could have they could have come up with something better but um yeah that's cool. but i remember that book and i wish i still had it well, maybe someday you'll come across it. Perhaps. Great stories. My goodness. So I'm going to, next time I spend any money, I'm going to think <laughs> about those geese. Well, I think that was very interesting. Whether or not everyone else is still with us, I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to like rein it in sometimes, my excitement, my nerdy excitement about Roman place names, because, which by the way, I, during my excitement and fascination, about Roman place names, I discovered the word for place name. It means it's toponymy. Toponymy. Which has, yeah, which I mean, I even just like that word, toponymy. It's such a great word. So if you like toponymy, like I do, you wander around Rome, you see the names of the streets. Mm -hmm. And they're so, sometimes they're very obvious, like the name of the church that's on that street. But sometimes they're very weird. And sometimes you can figure it out pretty easily. Sometimes it's harder. And you got to go digging, but there's always a reason. There's always a reason. Well, maybe that would be kind of a fun show for us to do, record together while we're in Rome, is while, while I'm over there. So we could go mm. walk to some of the weirdo streets and talk about the the history of that street. I know there's sure. a bunch in Tristevere too, right? The, I know that there's at least the Lane of the Tobaccoist or something like that, or I yeah. forget what the name <laughs> of it is, right? But Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that are just named after professions. Mm -hmm. Like the, the street of the chairmakers, the street of the keymakers, the street of the firefighters. So you're like, okay, clearly this street, they they sold chairs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then they have lots of streets named after animals, mm. like the street of the cow, the street of the fox, the street of the wolf. And those were generally named after little inns that were on that street. Like, you know how in mm -hmm. England, all the names of the pubs have like some kind of name like the nags head or the I mean, i'm just thinking of the ones i know in rome but you know what i mean like the yeah. five clovers the or fox and the hound yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly well in in rome in you know medieval and renaissance rome they had like the osteria della lupa osteria of the of the wolf or osteria dell'orso the, the inn of the bear they were usually named after animals but not always and so then the street whatever street they would on would were on would eventually take the name of the inn. Mm, I like that. Yeah, me too. Since you live in a relatively newly developed part of Rome, does your streets have interesting names out there or not? The streets, uh, well, what you'll never find in Rome is like a numbered street. Mm -hmm. There's never like a 54th Avenue. Like they'd be like, what? Like, why would you just put a number on it? That's so <laughs> uninteresting. It could never happen. Um, what you get in sort of outskirts of Rome are the na uh, streets named after important people. Oh, okay. You know, you got popes, but even the the popes are a little bit closer to the center because they're, you know, the closer you get toward the center of Rome, like the more important the people are who the street is named after, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you start to get out to my neighborhood. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. Um, it's like the mayor but... back in the 60s or something exactly. like that. Exactly. No, it's totally like that. It's totally like that. Hmm. You know, we do have a John F. Kennedy Boulevard in Rome. I don't know if it's a boulevard, but it's a, it's a street. 
Viale John F. Kennedy. That's Why right. is that? That's what it is. I don't know. You know, I mean, he was an important historical figure. So I guess Italy decided to, Rome decided to name a street after him. Hmm. I guess something to you, look into perhaps about why I, in particular Rome. I mean, there's a Lafayette street in New York City. That's a French politician. So. <laughs> All right. That was a lot of fun. We should leave it there. I do want to thank Glenn, who just became our newest supporter on Patreon at least Thank as we're Glenn. taping this. And I also love to Glenn, because if you uh, listen to our episode for Carolyn about artistic inspiration, Glenn heard the plea of flowers in Italy that she was hoping for, rode around on his bicycle, took a bunch of pictures of flowers that he was passing along the way. Glenn, I should mention, lives in Italy, expat in Italy, took a bunch of pictures of flowers and sent them to me so that I could pass them on to Carolyn. And she reported so that... Nice. She found at least one picture, if not more, in his collection that she is going to use as a painting inspiration. So nice. th there you go. Synergy. Bittersweet <laughs> lifers giving back to bittersweet lifers. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Do you have a topic you want us to explore? Send your requests. We love to hear what you want to know. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and contact us with your questions, your adventures, your observations, your favorite episodes. We love hearing from you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. <laughs>